Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point process, online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. Yeah, this is great. So, uh, Dave, why don't each of us do an in, uh, introduction to each? I, I can start with Jim if you want. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. As Dave turns... Oh, there oh, you got it. I got it. Give us a beatbox, Dave. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So Jim uh, Kikachi is an old friend. Uh, I met Jim years ago when I went to my first Toastmasters meeting at uh, Harborside Toastmasters at lunch up in the Alliant Building, uh, just at the beginning of my desire to learn how to speak in front of humans. Uh, and that's where I met Jim. And Jim, was, in, at, at that moment, was applying for the position of the international president of Toastmasters, which is radical. And I remember, Jim, you would repeat your speech, your pitch speech, a number of times to us and practice in front of your Toastmasters group and we gave you feedback. So much so that you went and you ended up getting the job and you get to travel the world and make massive impact. So we're really excited to have you, Jim, on the podcast. Thank you for being on here with us. Awesome. Round of applause for, for Jim. So I'm, who, am I, who am I introducing? Rivers? P- pick one. Okay. Well, everyone knows Rivers, so this is an easy one. You got, to, you got to meet him. We want him talking about his podcast, Startup... Startup Canada podcast, um, some amazing guests, and uh, we'd like to hear you know your experience through that. But you are also a serial entrepreneur. First time I ever heard you speak, um, you had uh, mismatching socks, and I just and you do talk about disrupting thinking and all that kind of stuff. And I just I thought it was brilliant. And uh, and and anyone that's frequent relish back in the day would would appreciate that uh, and many other endeavors. All right, Rivers Corbett. Rivers give it up. Handsome, handsome dresser. Uh, Our next guest uh, is somebody that I was, uh, I I, I, I say this uh, very respectfully, I was given uh, by uh, David Olson and Marcel LeBron when we started our Millennial Dream Project, the film that we were were, uh, screening earlier, that um, when we started the project, I was like, I need somebody that understands community development, digital uh, and marketing, and uh, Jean Viev used to work uh, at Radiant 6 with uh, our two friends and former uh, Boiling Point uh, guests, Marcel and David, and they served you up on an amazing heavenly platter, and you've been working with us ever since. And Jean Viev is all the technical behind the Boiling Point. Uh, so if anybody has any questions about Libsyn and you know uploading and SEO, Jean Viev is, is the one. And in fact, we got some really good feedback in the audience about... Um, Google Play and other other formats that we got to get the boiling point on. So welcome, Jean-Viev Coates. Yay. 
And, uh, and the last person is, oh, Kim, I get to introduce you. I'm so lucky. Because, um, Kim, it, a lot of times people come and, t- and, and, and mention vision coaching. I love your website. Like, what, you know, when did you do that? And I said, I don't have a clue when that happened because it's all Kim. Um, she, so she, she gets all the content in. She, she's got the look and the feel. Um, she's the person behind getting the, the columns that, that I do, making it look awesome and, and actually got me the idea and kind of pitched the idea. And um, we have a newsletter called Fresh Ideas that, that uh, Kim produces. And um, Kim's got Houlihan Communications. The Houlihan Group. The Houlihan Group. Um, she, and she's a group she, of, of she's a Kims. group of Kims, and uh, she's awesome. And and for every small business owner, if you're thinking about doing this stuff, this is someone you want to know. I mean, actually, all these people are people you want to know. But Kim, Kim can really get in behind the scenes and help you uh, project what you want out into the world. So Kim Houlihan. All right, Kim. And before we start our panel, I just want to remind our all of our either former Boiling Point guests, uh, Jean Viev, you're kind of behind the scenes, but you've also been a guest on our other uh, podcast, we need you to almost kiss the microphone when you're speaking. That's, uh, that's it. So why don't we get this party started? Can we start with you, Jim? Is that, uh, is that okay? The, the concept of this panel is easing platform anxiety. The platforms I mentioned earlier, um, one of them is public speaking. And you've got your own journey into public speaking as an executive and uh, you know, a person in sales uh, and the reason that you went to Toastmasters the first time. Uh, and then you ended up being the president of the whole the whole world. The the president of the world is what you became. <laughs> so let's ease the anxieties of public speaking. Uh, and just uh, t- take two minutes and give us a good roundup. Sure. So w- whenever I'm talking to anybody about public speaking, I tell them, look, there's three things you need if you want to be a strong public speaker. You need a little bit of knowledge. You need practice because pe- speaking is a skill. And you need feedback. So the knowledge you can get in hundreds of places, books, short-term courses, you can watch TED Talks, you can watch YouTube videos. The knowledge is readily available, but it's a skill. So you need to be like these guys on this panel today or like we panelists. You need to be in front of a real audience uh, who's listening to the speech you practice and prepared and watching their reaction and seeing if their eyes, their brows are wrinkled or they're confused and adapting your message. It's a, it's a skill that needs practice. And finally, you need feedback. And feedback can come from a coach or a mentor. Uh, but as Greg talked about joining Toastmasters, I'm proud about our Toastmasters environment. I'll describe that in my two minutes. Um, in Toastmasters, we'll bundle those things together. We'll give you a knowledge base that you can supplement We'll give you a place to practice on a regular basis, and we'll give you feedback from various perspectives in the audience. And so just briefly on Toastmasters, it's a, it's a network of clubs around the world. There's about 16,000 clubs in about 145 countries. For reference, there's about 200 countries in the UN, so we're in three-quarters of them. Uh, and we've got people who assemble and work a structured program at their individual pace and develop their skills in a supportive environment. There's lots of laughs, lots of fun. And it's a great place to become comfortable in this sort of platform. And, and just as a, a very short follow-up question, you tell us how tell people how you came to public speaking because I think there's a, there's a fascinating story. Um, you're speaking around the world. I see you from in Mongolia and Hong Kong. You're speaking to big audiences, and um, but it, 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 there's, it's been an evolution. Yeah, so I joined because I was working as a programmer at NBTEL at the time in 1987, and two engineers came to my desk, and they said, you're a pretty bright guy. They didn't say, you're a really smart guy. They said, you're a pretty bright guy, but you say nothing in meetings, and that was true. I was shy and awkward, and so they brought me to Toastmasters, joined immediately, and said nothing for the first three or four meetings, was scared to death. But in that supportive environment and exercising a skill, 
I became pretty good quite quickly. And, um, and so that's how I joined and ultimately never aspired to be international president, but did take on that position in 2015, 2016. Does anyone have fear of public speaking here? Okay, wow. good. It's good to know I'm not alone. Because the market. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to do, but Toastmasters isn't only for um, people that are um, uh, nervous about public speaking. It's for people that want to expand their public speaking. So, um, it's an, and it's an amazing platform. Okay, so thank you, Jim. Awesome. Appreciate that. Rivers, let's talk, talk about podcasts. Right on. So, uh, Startup Canada, <laughs> kissing that mic. Rivers phoned my office the other day, and uh, and I heard the reception. Um, uh, Lisa laughing out loud. You got to turn that phone off, Jim. Come on. And uh, and Lisa's laughing. She said, "No, no, the the drug enforcement, uh, RCMP drug enforcement, you know, task force can't come here or something." So, so I saw I called in and asked him for Dave, and his, his Lisa said, "Can I tell him who's calling?" And I said, "Yeah, it's the drug enforcement uh, agency for the RCMP." <laughs> She said, you you're, you're having like... too much fun. You're not from the RCMP. <laughs> so how, how, how fun is having a podcast? You know, it really is a great thing and, uh, to, to have a podcast. And I, I think really what it gets down to to me is the amount of is the people that I meet. And it is cliche to say it, but I have met the most amazing, amazing people, dive into their conversations, and I gotta, I'm going to contradict. I love it when they say that was a great question. <laughs> and the other thing I like it is when they say I had fun. And that's really, to me, what, uh, what, what is part of the whole process of, of having my own podcast. And then they become my friends. I always ask them, can I join you on LinkedIn? And uh, we join each other on LinkedIn. We continue on uh, the conversation. I've, and I've, I've, I've met and, and connected with some amazing people, all real high celebrities, right down to there's a lady over in Prince Edward Island who's got a little craft business that I interviewed, and she was just spectacular. So, and how long have you been doing Startup Canada for? We've been doing the Startup Canada podcast. We're in our fourth year. We've done about 180 episodes so far. Well done. Now, did you, um, let's talk about starting, because some people here might be sure. thinking starting. What yeah. was, how did you start? Well, I was fortunate uh, because I've been, I was a founding board member of Startup Canada, so the idea of the startup, the podcast was around for a while, but one of the, I get asked this a lot about how would you start it. The first thing is know what you know, and uh, one thing I like about you guys, you got a team around you, and if it required me to edit it, required me to do the scripts, required me to do the technical checks, required me to do anything but the interview, it wouldn't happen. And so I highly recommend people to ask people to volunteer for that. You don't have to pay people. People will want to be involved with your podcast because it's a freaking cool thing to do these days. And they'll want to be connected to these people too. So so, uh, so that's the first thing that you need to uh, do. And I love the point you talked on is about listen. Is that uh, I've, in my time period where they used to give me a a script of like 18 questions and I'd be like okay just finish talking so I can get to the next question because I had 30 minutes I mean entrepreneurs do not have a long attention span and after a while I said give me three questions and a little bio and then uh, I'm going to listen and I leaned in and when that started to happen the engagement level of the of the person on the other end went just through the roof, because one, they knew I was listening, but also uh, because they could hear it in my voice. But then I was getting those nuggets, those nuggets, and uh, you know, we talk about all kinds of things that aren't on the script. Love it. That's awesome. Um, also, in the back is again Don. Don, raise your hand for anybody. So, uh, if anybody's interested in, in some of the technical and uh, the business side of podcasting, um, Don's been really following along and monitoring and, and leading, and he's got a number of uh, other clients 
that uh, he's producing podcasts for. So there's a, a great resource in the back of the room you can chat with uh, later on as well. Um, jean um, we so many people in this room are very comfortable on social media, but maybe not strategic, uh, you know, and I'm one of them. You know, I, I'm one of those, uh, I just spray it all over the place and hoping that, I'm, you know, people are going to be reading it, you know. Your, your job, uh, outside of being a technical whiz, is to really make sure the community is, is uh, connected the right, the right way. So why don't, why don't you just explain a little bit what you do and how you help clients um, connect and help them with their social media strategies and execution? Yeah, for sure. And a lot of it is the stuff that we've already talked about this morning is... Um, I find with social media is usually when I first meet with a client or talk to somebody, they say, okay, well, I have Twitter, I have Facebook, I have Instagram, I have LinkedIn, I have, you know, they name 20 different platforms that they have accounts for. It doesn't really matter because if the people that you're trying to reach, the people that you've identified as your avatar, aren't on any of those platforms, you can post all you want. It's not going to do anything for your business. Um, unfortunately, because we use social media a lot in our 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 personal lives, especially for younger people in the in the audience, um, we tend to think that oh, I know how to do this. It's just I you know write a post, I post it, and then people engage, and it's wonderful. Um, the thing that I find a lot of people struggle with is they do these posts every day, and they see no return. They see no likes, they see no shares, they see no engagement. Um, and number one thing that that means is you're not actually reaching the people you need to. And that means you're either on the wrong platform, so maybe you should be on LinkedIn, or you should be on Facebook, or you should be on Instagram, uh, or you're posting stuff that doesn't matter to the people you're trying to sell to. Um, informative and entertaining. If what you're posting isn't either informative or entertaining, people probably aren't going to read it, engage with it, and share it. Um, and that's what I spend a lot of time doing, and I think that's where we work well with Dave and Greg, is when you get people who have good personalities, you can take that content, you can repurpose it, you can make images, you can make posts, you can make podcasts, and then you can share them in ways that are both informative and entertaining. Um, and we try and do that with the posts. Um, we've got uh, Aaron and Zach, and well, Zach's not here, but James and Dylan, <coughs> Uh, who write a lot of our content, and we've spent time in thinking of the ways that we need to write those titles so that they are engaging, that they are informative, and that they are entertaining. Because it's a big difference between sharing a post that says, hey, we've got an episode with Seth Godin, you should listen to it, versus pulling out his quote that says, uh, what was it, perfectionists are cowards. That's a big difference in how people are going to share it. Um, so that's that's really, really important is be on the platform where people are and make sure what you're sharing is informative and entertaining. And, and it, one more one more piece of that, um, something I really appreciate about the work you've done is that does anyone like to know that their stuff's having impact? You know, wouldn't, isn't it, wouldn't that be nice to know? Like, is someone, like, what's happening out there? So we, we have our weekly meetings and we always get stats from you, right? Yeah. And Kim, Kim can speak to that a little bit, but just what are some of the things that you can pull for your customers, you know, like Greg and I? Yeah, that's probably the number one thing. And the other thing that divides using social media from a personal side and a professional side, I mean, some people track this on their personal side to see how many of their friends like posts. 
Yeah. Um, but um, most people don't always think about it when they on their business side. If you're not seeing shares, if you're not seeing engagement, so people adding co comments, or if you don't know how, what's average for you, what's your baseline of when you post something, what you should be seeing, then there's really no benefit for it. It's kind of like if you were a retail business and you were selling hoodies, if you didn't know how many hoodies you were selling every month, well, what's the purpose? Right? Because you wouldn't know how many to order. You wouldn't know if you were having a good month or a bad month. So that tracking is really important to stop using social media from a personal side to actually using it from a business side and use those metrics to really power the changes that you want to make. Okay. Thank you so much. Isn't that valuable? Because like, we learn things like don't post on Sunday at 2 a.m. or whatever. I'm joking. But we found that like Thursdays and Monday. The, the late night Saturday crowd we're, doesn't we're, want to listen to we're us. Really, we're really good times to post, but it was so. So it's so. I, what I like about it is you know use data to help make decisions, right? Instead of just kind of it feels right, you know. So it's been very helpful. Um, Kim, you um, have been working with me for twelve <laughs> years or fourteen years or some crazy thing. Um, yeah. So we've all in the bathtub. In the bathtub. Yes. <laughs> just after the tub. Um, and one of the things that um, I, I think a lot of people, what we're, we're learning or we, we're relearning is that um, email marketing is not dead. In fact, it's really important. And it was nice to see the stats on how many people use email marketing. And we've learned it through uh, Product Launch Formula um, and Jeff Walker, Greg. Uh, Kim's been telling me it for years. And, um, and as a result, we have a, a newsletter that goes out very, every, every month, right? Um, with a certain amount of frequency. So maybe tell people a little bit about, you know, what, what goes behind getting a good, um, doing some, some solid email marketing. Well, yeah, no, I don't think email marketing's dead. And I do, I do email marketing for small businesses. And I do find, I, so I'm not the expert in large business email marketing. It really is about um, getting right in the inbox of the people who said, I'd like to hear from you on a regular basis. So this isn't about this random emailing. This is about the people, and we can attest to that, Dave, because I know we talk about the size of that list, but that list is solid, solid. And uh, they want to hear from you every month, and you hear back from people every month because of that. Because when I met Dave, he said to me, I want to do this thing, and I want to have a track record of this, right? I want to do this. I and we have since like 2005 actually done that. And I modeled my business on what Dave and I did at, to build his small business. And so now I have clients on retainer just like Dave. And some of them aren't necessarily doing email marketing. But email marketing is the foundation for most small businesses. Because when you're on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, yes, you can hit people with your message. But with uh, email marketing, if it's permission-based and people have said, please put me on your list, you go into their inbox. It's as simple as that. So I find it's very, very powerful in that respect. So. And there's, there's something to be said, too, about uh, doing email newsletters. Again, for the people who intentionally subscribe or that want to listen to you, this becomes material for your blog when, when you're going to repurpose again. So you're hitting a lot of different, uh, different uh, platforms when you do this. And jean Viev coached me not to blast the exact same content on the exact same uh, uh, platforms on the same day, because I have done that a number of times. But um, there's a great way to use your email newsletters as the basis for future content. Um, thank you so much, Kim, for that. And I'm just going to add one thing, yeah. is that is that the, the other thing that you might not know if you, if you don't work with someone supporting you is that 
is that, um, and, and there's a number of people that do this in, in different on different platforms, but she actually manages the whole process. Like she just says, well, what do you want to do next month? And we have a regular meeting, pulls content. I, 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 we have a thing where I edit it a little bit and then it goes out. So it's not a massive job. Um, and I think that's what sometimes people forget, right? Or they go, geez, oh my, how would I do that? Well, there's people that, that in all these cases can do these and, and give you some direction. So, so, and it's been massively powerful. But do we want the audience to see what, the audience? What I'm any thinking questions? is, why don't we go down the table this way? So let's just ask the audience, any questions on public speaking um, that, that Jim can uh, address? And I'll bring the mic to you. So, Jim... Uh, question for you. So I think it was you, Dave, you were speaking about the, you know, the elevator pitch and how it's sort of this, this dreaded thing in, in, in most entrepreneurial settings, they say that you need to have your, your pitch concise. And there was a lot of hands that were raised in this idea of public speaking. Uh, but as we've, you know, acknowledged today, most of us are having to be put on the, the mic without knowing we're about to be on the mic. So what's your, your take on being very concise and having your pitch, if you will, or your elevator speech uh, prepared and ready so that when somebody says, what do you do, you have that, uh, you have that prepared. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that this way. So being concise is important. And I, I fall back to structure. And I recommend people follow structure. And my favorite structure in the world is past, present, future. So if it's a pitch about your business, that sounds like, you know, before our product launched, here was the problem that my customers had with our product today, here's how we're meeting the need of the marketplace. We hope to grow in this sort of fashion. So that's gotten, that sort of structure, past, present, future, just works in so many, well, pretty well, every, any environment you've got. In the workplace, you know, I'd bump into a boss and he'd say, how's that project coming? Last week we had some significant successes. Over the next two weeks, these are things we need to work on. Here's where I can need your, need your help in the next month or so. So whether it's a pitch or a question that you're fumbling with when you want to say, that's a good question, just a structure like past, present, future that you practice and it becomes innate, that becomes extremely powerful. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what, about, what about podcasting? Anyone, anyone have a question for Rivers? About, I mean, we were talking a lot about podcasting today, but anything coming to mind? Does anyone want to start a podcast or thinking about a podcast and they have a question for Rivers? <laughs> Terry, on, Terry Ann? I got a bunch. <laughs> Terry Ann will have a bunch later. There we go, Jake. We got you say that you guys go into the studio, you do four or five at a time. Uh, Rivers, do you do that as well? Do you find that's the easy, easiest method? Of yeah, we do the same thing. We, uh, we, we, go, we do it over a three-week time period, and we'll, do, we'll create uh, 30 of them okay. uh, over a three-week time period. And they just organize it around my schedule. It is the best way to do it, in my opinion. And then you've always got a bunch laid, laid out for you ahead of time. Um, but that's uh, that's definitely the best way, and in my you, opinion. When you say that you used to go in, there'd be 18 questions. Who would be writing the questions and preparing that? If you're not the one doing that, who's doing that? Yeah, so Startup Canada provides a full team to do that. Okay. But here's the great thing is is that the other thing, I, I do mine at Planet Hatch in, in Fredericton. Okay. They gave me the equipment. I bring it in, set it up, bring her down. And, you know, you, you can really do it from anywhere. Um, that, that's the beauty of it. Yeah, and that's, I think that's an important point because you kind of get the impression that it has to have this big production crew, but it doesn't have to be that way. And there's some really good podcasts out there on how to, how to do a podcast right. and what equipment to use and all that good stuff. I understand the indirect implications of podcasts. I'd like for you to talk, frankly, I, any three of you, about bottom lines. What was your perceived ROI in podcasting and what is your real ROI? Yeah, it's, there, there is no ROI except for building, one, building my brand. 
because I get speaking, I get to do consulting, I get to do all those other things, and podcasting allows you that luxury. There's not a lot of money to be made off of podcasting, to be quite honest with you. So, and in my research on it, it's uh, it's really those uh, those uh, affiliate things that come out of doing the podcasting. That's that's where you start to make the money. Uh, but on the other side of it is there's the the ROI of the intrinsic value that comes out of just meeting the most freaking amazing people uh, around the world who who deeply want to tell you their story. That's and that's cool. And they become your friends. Like Miss World, Miss Universe 2016 is my friend now. <laughs> She's from Canada, and uh, you know Nobel Peace Prize winners. Yes, you didn't see it. No, so that's the other thing. It's audio. It's all audio, right? <laughs> I don't like doing uh, video stuff. It just makes it uncomfortable for me. I like to, because I get animated and do all that kind of crazy stuff. And You should do video. No, see, yeah. that's what I used to think, too. Yeah, <laughs> no, audio. Just audio. Audio. Um, so uh, platforms that you can use, how you can measure impact, all that kind of stuff. Anyone have a question for, for Jean-Vievre? Yeah, my name is Derek Chason. I have a company called uh, Night Puck Technology. We're developing a training device for minor hockey league players to better their shots oh, cool. at home. Uh, it's all—it's an IoT device, so on and so forth. Uh, through our customer discovery process, we figured out that we kind of have like a two-sided market. I don't know if I should call it that, but um, basically the decision maker on buying our product is the hockey parent. Um, and we speak through them, to them. We've discovered that the best channels are email and, uh, and Facebook. For the kids, it's YouTube and Insta. Um, so I just want to hear what your take is on when you actually publish content, how do you measure and refine and define what, what is working best? Cool. Big question. Um, good question. No, I said, I said big question. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I actually just officiated 12 hockey games last weekend, so yeah. chat. Um, the biggest thing is, and it's it's hard when you're first launching, because when you're first launching, you're not going to know what's baseline. Um, if you can find, n- not necessarily competitors, but other people who are offering, it's not even sometimes similar products, but in a similar space, so their audience would be the same, um, and look at what their kind of reach is, so you can get an idea of, okay, that's kind of what we could be looking at to see you know, where our success is. The first few months that you launch a new product, that you're launching new channels, that's when you're going to want to track more on a daily, weekly level versus a monthly, um, because you just won't get the level uh, of granularity that you need to know what is and what isn't working. And when it comes to content, honestly, sometimes it's a little bit of A-B testing. So put out a post uh, about, you know, maybe it's a feature of the product. If it's IoT, then, you know, there's probably some built-in technology there that you can highlight and then see how it does. And then a couple weeks later, not the next day, because, again, you'll get a little fatigue with content, try that post again, but try it from a little bit of a different angle and then compare. Same things with running Facebook ads or anything like that. A lot of it when you're first starting is seeing what works and then trying it a different way. If it completely fails, don't do that again. Go back to the first way. Um, And once you have those baselines, then you can kind of keep going forward with it. Yeah. And then finally for Kim, email marketing. Anyone? Uh, oh, there's a question back here. Oh, you want it for Jean Viet? Go for it. Uh, my question was just so we have, I'm from Simply for Life. We have 50 franchisees across Canada that run their own uh, Facebook page. 
So <laughs> my job is to make sure that they stay on brand, they stay, they're using the right lingo, they're doing all that stuff, but their main goal is followers. They're like, we need to up our followers. How can we up our followers more? And I'm trying to get that across to them that they could have 100,000 followers and five of them will engage on every single post. So do you have a rebuttal to what I could say to them that's really going to hit home on stop trying to get followers and stop start trying to get better content? Yeah, I usually tell people stop thinking of it as a number and start thinking of it as a person because that's what a like is, right? Or a follower or whatever, it's a person. So great, you might connect with a million people, but if you don't, then don't have a million people walking in your door buying something, why are you connected to those people? So it's better to have five followers, as you said, if you then get five people in the door. So if their followers aren't matching their actual business numbers of what their sales are, that's what I would come back to and say, great, but what are those million followers actually doing for you on the bottom line? Email marketing. Anyone got a question? Who's doing email marketing out there? Yeah? Okay, good. Excellent. Go ahead. Uh, just curious about frequency on email marketing. I know we heard once a week on podcasts or something somebody said, but I was curious about the email marketing. The podcasts are coming out once a week and not through email. I don't think you guys are just, we're just releasing them once a week. Um, it really depends. I know it's a terrible answer, but it d depends on your audience and how often they're willing to hear from you. If you break things down into smaller bits, you can start to go out maybe a little bit more frequently. Or, uh, you know, if you have a larger, if you have more content, you may not want to go out as frequently. But you can gauge it by people dropping off your list, too. If, it, you know, your frequency, uh, your open rate depends on your subject line. You can test it that way. And your uh, frequency is on how many people actually stick with your list. But uh, I, think, I think if you, uh, my clients, I just ask them, you know, who are you talking to? What are you trying to say? What, and, and we just gauge it from there. And sometimes we do test it. We got one more. It's what, it's, it's what Jean-Vierre said. It, be interesting or entertaining. You have to keep being interesting or entertaining. If you think about that email that you actually get in your inbox and go, oh, I'm going to get a cup of tea and come back, and I'm going to read that. Or I'm saving this for this afternoon. That's what you want to be doing with your emails. An email, when it comes in, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy always, or girl, always gives us something that's interesting, helpful, entertaining. I like it. How do you differentiate that email from the rest of your content that you're producing? So on your other, other platforms. And I guess that goes with uh, the other platforms. How do you differentiate your content from... Uh, you mean different? You mean how do you talk differently on email as opposed to on yeah, Facebook? Yeah, so like and how much should you... Like stray from like how you talked in that one, what you're focusing on, or what the main point is really. I think it, it you can actually talk about the same things, but it's in a different way. I think it, with email you can link to other things. You can actually have an, an image, and you can talk about more than one thing. You, you, you just adjust based on what platform you're on. But you could say the same thing on Facebook. But it, like we'll um, we'll uh, put out your interviews on Facebook. But then it'll be like two months later that I'll actually feature it in one of our email newsletters. Just to bring it back for people who don't maybe read the TJ or haven't seen it or, you know. So you can repurpose it a different way. Cool. And we try to keep our content, like I call it like classic. Like in other words, we try not to timestamp it so you can repurpose it. And I think that's actually a really important point that we haven't brought up. Because we, we purposely aren't try talking about Christmas coming up. Right, Greg? Oh, you have to edit that out. Um, because we're going to repurpose this content, right? And we're going to use this in summer. Uh, there we go. So, um, and the other thing around lists um, that, that I've learned from Kim um, is, and, and is this idea of like they call it list hygiene. 
you know, in terms of your email list. So getting rid of uh, uh, th things that are bouncing because um, there's some algorithm. I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but there's some some algorithm that starts to you know throw you in spam and all that kind of stuff. Okay, forget I even said that. But anyways, you just want to watch your email list. But but these people know how to do that. But it's very cool. And then and then the final thing I would say that I understood was. Um, was the value of email marketing is that people are connected to their email, but you know their LinkedIn profile, like an algorithm may change, and you might not be able to connect with them in the same way, right? But you have that personal connection with your email, and there's a ton of a mass amount of value as a business to have that connection because people don't generally get rid of their emails, right? I'm going to add one thing. Just when you talk about the list, is your email list be very, very careful and uh, uh, protect it. Uh, only send them things you said you're going to send them, and you know don't don't send them something they haven't asked for. It it, it really is. It's very valuable to a business to to protect and and grow. It's that. an asset. It's a it's an asset. Yeah. All right. All right. So give it up for this amazing panel. My Thank anxiety you. is Thank for you the guys. Lessons, that's for sure. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app.